Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left. What's up, Big Neil? Lance, I don't think at any point in my life, the days following a Steelers draft were filled with more optimism than this one. We're going to get into that and a lot more. There's plenty of reason to be optimistic. And the best part is the more I read into it, the more I find people who share the same sentiment for more reasons other than the ones that I think of immediately. The depth of this, it's pretty remarkable. And there's a lot of credit to be given. Um, In many cases, it's credit to be given to other teams for not taking some of these guys a little bit higher than where they went. But the, the, the Steelers had... I think as perfect a draft as they reasonably could have had. And with that, they have solidified in many cases, the the future core of what could be a very good team. That makes me excited here on this Wednesday morning, gorgeous morning here in Minneapolis, super excited, Lance. It's great to be here as always. You know, uh, I had uh, listeners laugh and I was super excited when I did this show on uh, Saturday, I just, you know, I caught the spirit and was just flowing on Saturday and just was like, yes, sir. Because, uh, you know, I never get excited about drafts. And uh, I'm actually excited about this one. But as always, listeners, make sure you check out the show. You can find us on YouTube. Do a search for The New Standard and Neil Kulong or Lance Williams, or as Robert Cotting said, the Neil Standard or the Lance Standard. You can look us up under both. And also, if you do us and, and want to listen to us via podcast, just go to, you know, however you find your podcast and do a search for the New Standard and Steelers. And so let's let's jump right into it, Neil, because you talked, you alluded a little bit to some reasons and some things that some other people looked at and c- concerning this draft that you didn't. And so I definitely want to pick your brain in terms of what's your criteria and how do you grade a good draft? But before I do that, I want to share some of the draft grades by some of the media outlets. PFF graded the Steelers draft a plus the ringer graded the Steelers draft a plus sporting news graded the Steelers draft in a plus NFL.com graded the draft in A. The well, they're New obviously York... idiots. Yes, they're obviously idiots. New York Post graded the Steelers draft in A. And last but not least, DraftKings graded the draft in A. I'm pretty sure a friend of the program, Doug Farrar, gave us a B plus. I'm not sure what Luke Easterling gave uh-huh. us, but I'm going to guess uh, Luke probably gave us an A. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, and so if he didn't, hopefully he'll be giving us an A today after listening to this show. But it seems like the media is in agreement that the Steelers absolutely hit a home run. And before we get to our grades of this draft, I want to get your criteria and how do you grade a draft? What are you looking for? Uh, for me, and this is kind of the thing, that there's no particular – uh, standard by which to do this and at the end of the day no, what you have the new, there's the new standard well, well yes of course yes you you have a, a subjective process 
if we're looking at this from the team's perspective, they are all going to go about it their own way for their own reasons. There are not a whole lot of, you know, real ground level um, objective measurements that you can use for anything like this. They're drafting based on what they're doing. And the, the reality is with all due respect to you coming up with a grade, Doug, Luke, the New York times, NFL.com, PFF, whoever, they all have different interpretations uh, of a team inside of which we have no insight. We don't know what they're going to do. Uh, For example, most people felt Joey Porter Jr. was worth a a mid-first-round pick, maybe a little higher than that. I personally didn't quite see that, but I think you're splitting hairs after a, a certain point. I don't think he was worth 17 overall. That's based on observations of him and knowing what I know of the Steelers' coverage schemes that they ran last year. It doesn't mean that they're going to run that this year. I don't know that where I sit. I don't know what their long-term plans are. So Porter may be the absolute perfect fit for what they're going to do. So it, it's, it's hard to say one way or another. We can go with our optimism. We can go with how good of players we thought they were in, in college. For me, what I'm looking for is, is marrying uh, the value of the player with the team's need over the next couple of years. In three years from, you know, it, look at like Pat Fryermuth, for example. You know, we'll, we'll use him in that draft. He is coming into his own as a player. He is one of the most targeted tight ends in the NFL. They're going to rely on him heavily in their, their passing game we had a decent sense that that was going to be the case back when he was drafted. I looked ahead and saw in in three years, he's going to be, if if it works out, he's going to be an important part of this team. And he fits the mold of that. I wasn't the biggest fan of that pick. Uh, He's doing okay. You know, we're, we're, we're happy with the players that we have. Second round pick. uh, Good enough. You know, I'm not, he's not a pro bowl level guy, but he's a solid player. He's going to get the ball a lot. I felt at the time that wasn't my favorite pick, but it was the right one for them to make. So there, there are two different things at work here. They needed to address the position. They didn't have any tight ends. You know, their, their tight end room was as bad as their running back room was in, in going into that draft. First two positions they take are running back and tight end. I appreciate that in the sense that they have both an immediate need and a future need at those spots. Both of those players were going to play a lot and looked like they were players that could come in and contribute right away. So it, if, if you have those holes, filling them is of, of you know, pretty paramount uh, value. To me, that's exactly what the Steelers did in this draft as well as the one back in 2020 when they took Harris, uh, Fryermuth, and then, un- unfortunately, Kendrick Green, who they saw as, as a starting center. Uh, obviously, that didn't work out. But with, with Broderick Jones... Uh, you're looking at a, a player with tremendous upside. We'll get into him. Um, but they absolutely needed a left tackle for the future. I, I'm not hearing it from any of, of Dan Moore's supporters. I'm not trying to, to rip on the kid. All I'm saying is he's he's had two years as the starting left tackle of this team. I don't think that he's improved any better than than marginally. And in two years, he's going to get very expensive. You need Let me add this, Neil. Let me add this, Neil, to what you were saying. And, and then I want you to get back to your point. You don't have to defend the fact that you don't like 
the way that Dan Moore plays. You know why? They just drafted a left tackle in the first round. Go right. ahead, sir. That the, my, my point is they they saw what we subjectively determined to be uh, the, the biggest hole on the team. I don't care what Mike T said leading into the draft. We don't really have any holes because of free agency. No, you've got a ginormous hole, and you know it, <laughs> okay? To, to not embarrass Dan Moore publicly, I get it. Uh, Jones is their starter. They know he's the starter. Dan Moore is going to be the guy who takes the first team reps, starting off in minicamp, getting into training camp. Jones is their week one starter. There's no doubt about that. They filled a need with a potentially very, very good player. Love it. Got to love that. Uh, second round, you, you see what's there, especially you're drafting in a spot they've never drafted. You have pole position. You're going to open it up for trades. I don't think they thought of drafting anyone else. I think they would have listened to enormous trade offers, but I think in their mind it was, let's see if we can deal this because we don't need to spend our time. This is the guy we want at, at 32. And they got him. Long-term, absolutely, they need a cornerback. As we talked about off air, they just signed a slot that, that played in Minnesota last year. And my Viking fan friends were not exactly impressed with him and were laughing at the fact the Steelers signed him. Um, he's going up against Arthur Mollette. You have Patrick Peterson next year. So it, uh, he's the only one there along now with Porter and the new guy who signed. They needed cornerbacks. So they got a, a pretty decent cornerback. Somebody I felt was probably more fit. Uh, to be a late round, late first round pick into to a day two pick. Good value for that spot at a position of need. Hard to downgrade that. If we want to get into the specifics of the player, we can. But you look at the mentality of what they're trying to build long term. I don't think that gets valued enough. I think places like PFF, with all due respect to them, they look at rookies as these immediate high level players. And that's just simply not the case. It, it Overall, if we look at the entire draft, including those in the first round, most of them are not going to be good NFL players next year. They're rookies. So you're not drafting them. If, if you're in a position that you have to draft five starters, you're in trouble you anyway. Stink. It's you, not going to be the, the, the player's problem. You're going to have guys that shouldn't be starting that have to start. <clears throat> Dan Moore. <clears throat> and you still have that problem two years later, causing you to trade up to get somebody better. Um, it, the, the point I'm making is the long-term value in terms of the position that they're playing, the flexibility that you are now creating because you've got, in, in this case, uh, two premium positions drafted that are going to play right away uh, that are going to be cheap for four years. You know, that, that, that's valuable. That's something that you can build around along with a, a, a cheap quarterback and not a whole lot of expensive positions coming due anytime soon you're going to have the flexibility to make moves based on that if you, you continue to develop capital based on your draft. Um, throw in uh, uh, Keanu Benton in, in the other part of the second round, uh, probably a two-down player in the NFL, but absolutely a guy that can develop into a great talent. And this is a team. It's kind of funny. I joked about this on the radio. Uh, Benton is a player that uh, John Mitchell would have loved to coach. And it's unfortunate that Mitchell doesn't get to work with this one. But the value of Benton, look at the positional need, look at the long-term, um, uh, uh, you know, long-term depth at the position right now. You don't know how long Cam Hayward's going to play. His contract is up next year. 
I'm not saying that he's Cam Hayward, but I do think if you want to remain versatile, you've got to have options available. And he is going to be a good football player. Just like I said last year about DeVar, uh, DeMarvin Leal, the, the way he plays the game, I don't know what his position is, but he's going to get on the field and he's going to kick some ass. He, he's a good player. He can be used situationally. Um, I, I've pounded the drum for Isaiah Loudermilk for, for three years. I think he got caught in kind of a numbers game when they brought back Larry Ogunjobi. But it, it, he's a valuable uh, component to what they're trying to build. It gives them more options. That's valuable. I think that's a good pick. And on top of all of that, you've got to put it relative to the players who were available. I don't know about anybody else. I, I told this to my brother after the draft. This is the one draft that I can remember where I felt like they took the guy I wanted with their pick in each of the first four rounds. And they had, they had five picks in those rounds. They called you. I, it, it, they were in my head. Now, I, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I just know that. <laughs> The, the value in my world was with these players for a variety of reasons, not just I really like this guy or he went to my school or everybody else in Steeler Nation is screaming for this guy. I think it's great that they took him. They're very specific value-based reasons they took these players. I factor that into a draft. So for me, um, it, it's more where the team is going. That's what you're drafting for. It's not for next year necessarily. Now, these guys are going to play. You know, like I said, uh, we're going to see a lot of Broderick Jones. We're going to see a lot of Joey Porter, probably see situationally uh, Benton playing a bit. Maybe Herbig gets in there. My boy, Darnell Washington, who I'm going to dedicate half this show to, a lot of uses for that guy. Uh, he might not be a, a three-down player either, but they addressed things that they needed, and they got a big value pick out of Washington because he makes them better in, in terms of their versatility. I, I want to factor all those things in and then put it up against who else was there uh, in, in determining my grade. Everybody has a different reason to do what they do, and it, it's important to gather uh, as many of those opinions. If you want to come up with, with a strong argument for your own, you've got to do the research. That's just my take on it. I'll listen. Doug Farrar sat down on the toilet this morning and lost more football than I'll ever know, but I don't agree with a B-plus grade for this draft. I'm curious what his process is, though I know in my head, just because I've known Doug for a while, why he's calling it a B plus instead of an A plus, which I feel that it should be. So your grade is an A plus. And let me summarize, Neil. I'm going to just try to summarize what you said. Your criteria is addressing needs, getting value. And I'm just going to throw in three, you know, kind of getting the guy that you wanted, kind of getting the guy that you wanted and that you felt or you envisioned would be the best fit for the Steelers. And I'm glad that you said that because that has to fit in because when you're grading anything, it's your personal opinion. So it has to. So if they're hitting players that you envision will be a good player for your team, then that's obviously a great criteria. Let me give you guys my, my criteria. So you got them as an A. Let me give you guys my criteria. And, and, and I was watching a Laker game last night trying to piece this together and big up to the Los Angeles Lakers, soon to be 18-time champions. Had to throw that in there. And also, <laughs> congratulations to you, Neil. Uh, 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 the the gap tooth Bison uh, was the was the talk of the draft. Isn't that uh, isn't he a Bison, an NDSU guy, the offensive lineman? Cody Bach, baby. Yeah. Um, he's going to be a good one, too, down in Tampa Bay um, with three other guys who look like Vikings like him. Fits in perfectly. He's a good player. Um, he'll need 
some time to develop, uh, kind of similar to uh, what Tennessee tried to do uh, with the last buys an offensive lineman uh, who was taken, who hasn't fared very well. Another second round pick, Dylan Radens. Um, we'll we'll see what happens with Mock. I like his game quite a bit. I, I think he's versatile. Uh, we'll see where he ends up. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they put him at tackle or guard, but uh, a good player. And then uh, Hunter Lipke, um, a, a, a great mid-round running back option who signed as a free agent with Dallas. Uh, he missed most of last season and probably cost the Bison a, a national championship because he didn't play. Um, he would have been around three pick, in my opinion. I heard that from scouts as well. Uh, big kid, versatile, almost kind of a, a, a smaller more running version of Kyle Juszczyk. I, I could have seen Kyle Shanahan. Unfortunately, I could have seen Jim Harbaugh uh, use him to a, a, a pretty high level um, within those offenses, a very scheme-specific type of player, a uh, really good player. And then look, – um, Look at you, Bison alum. You bet, Being baby. able to rattle off all your Bison draft oh, picks. But that's Lip, big, Lipke though. was my guy. Lipke is he, – he had, he had a career at NDSU. He might have been – Maybe not the best running back, certainly not talent wise, but as far as big plays go, I think he just he came up huge all the time. And you're talking about a, a you're talking about a white FCS running back, and he's dominating every game that he's in. It, he was he, so much fun to watch that kid play. Big you know, kid, that, that's, quickness, he could catch. That that's great that you guys are building a legacy in that program. Let me give you guys uh, my criteria. Uh, to grade a draft because because I'm like Neil I was a lot like Neil um, in terms of looking at drafts overall wait to wait for three years get back to me I'll tell you how I think about the draft hence you know I, I never really was a draft guy you know like draft Knicks opinions and you know I just got inundated with so much information over the course of time I just lost my liking or love for the draft I was just like man you know call me in three years we'll see Holla at your boy. If you need to, if all these guys play that you draft, you suck anyway. Uh, so that, so I was kind of like Debbie Downer when it came to the draft. But I, as I've done this more, I, I've come to appreciate the work that people do, what the draft represents, how it changes lives, how it changes football teams, that there's great theater and great stories around the draft. So I've started to make like a 180 in terms of how I like the draft. So let me give you my criteria. One, I agree with Neil, absolutely. Address needs. We always, and we dispelled the myth on this show, best player available. I mean, you know, if your best player available at 14 was a quarterback, would you draft him? No, because you got Kenny Pickett. So we've obviously addr addressed that. Um, so number one is address needs. Number two, don't reach and exercise patience. Don't reach for guys. Don't reach for guys that, you know, where it seems suspicious, like, wow, you traded a bunch of assets to get to guys. Perfect example, Devin Bush. Mm. They, 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 they kind of reach for Devin. Uh, but 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 some of that me, I, I'll say I'm nitpicking that somewhat I because I don't think it's fair to say they they reach the Devin Bush, but Devin Bush was reasonably estimated to be drafted around that spot, and the Steelers had a massive need. They had a massive need. So they did it, have a uh, unfortunately need. they had to do it. That risk component was there. 
Uh, and obviously it didn't work out uh, even remotely close. Uh, maybe the biggest miss they've ever had, just considering what they gave up for him and where they drafted him. But logically speaking, they had a reason to do it, and they were behind the eight ball. It was a tough spot that wasn't their own doing. Um, they had to try something. It didn't work out. Uh, hey. it, <laughs> By the way, I, Jake Shoot Stuff, I love that name. It sh- but Jake, you're going to have to change it to Jake Shoot Shit. But maybe you can't do that because of YouTube, and maybe they'll ban you because you use the curse word in your name. But I love Jake Shoot Stuff. Lastly, my last criteria is get freaks. Get freaks in your draft. Get freaks. Get dudes, get freaks, and get freaks. And when we say freaks, I'm using, and Neil tipped me to it last year, thank you to RAS, Relative Athletic Score, or is it Real Athletic Score? Relative. It's relative it's, Athletic it's, Score. By the way, that, that's a critically important word, okay? Relative. Relative. And so I'm saying get freaks. And we've talked about it ad nauseum um, on this show about a draft pick years ago that was not very athletic, who was a first-round draft pick, and as a result, we feel that their draft criteria changed, that they targeted getting freaks. So let me jump into some of the RAS scores of the draft picks. Broderick Jones, RAS 9.57, which is green, and it's important to remember that RAS, the, the maximum score is a 10. The average offensive tackle or guard, oh, I got ta- I don't have guard. I don't have tackle written here, but I'll just use guard for reference. It's probably somewhere around there. But the guard is 4.98. I'm going to guess the tackle is probably five. So what you see is he's very athletic. At the cornerback position, Joy Porter Jr., 7.58 RAS, which is a little low. I was kind of surprised at his RAS was was 7.58 which was yellow I'm not I'm not you're not you know why, no, why, why so explain Porter is not the athlete we're making him out to be I, it, it, it confused me it, it, bottom line I don't want to segue too far but bottom line is that the need to place Joey Porter in the draft process with the team his dad played for that happens to really need a cornerback was overwhelming throughout this whole thing. It's not a surprise he fell to 32. It isn't. He was not it, 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 not a clear first-round talent because he's not that athlete. He just isn't. Look at his numbers. He didn't even run the three-cone because he doesn't have real quick hips. Um, I, I felt legitimately like I could see because of his length and as, as we talk about the pedigree, um, I could see why a team late in the first round would take him because – I don't think this was a draft that was heavy on uh, elite first-round guys. That that R1 bucket was not very full this year. And I, I mean like 16, 17 guys. That's a little bit lighter. Porter was absolutely not within that group. He was not among those guys. Uh, he has flaws athletically. Um, that isn't to say that he can't play. It just means when you are, are evaluating a guy uh, from, from a first-round perspective, you want to have these boxes checked. He's not that kind of an athlete. He's a, a, a four five five runner, not very fluid. Uh, he gets away with more because of his length. Uh, he's, he's a tall, lanky cornerback. He tackles reasonably well, 
but he's not an all coverage, all scheme guy. Uh, let me take to me, that he's back. a second let round me, pick. I'm, let, I'm not surprised by that. Let me take that back. Neil. I, 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 and I want to apologize to Joey Porter Jr. I, I, I flubbed that score. So my relative athletic seven and a half is really low for was not good. And I was shocked at that. And because I might've put it as dad, <laughs> actually, uh, his dad and, was seven. Wow. Uh, and actually Joey Porter Jr.'s RAS is 9.71. Oh, uh, really? Relative okay, to the position. I'll bet, I'll bet a lot of that is length then. And to the position. And when you look at Joey Porter Jr. in terms of height, weight, bench, 40, 20-yard split, 10-yard split, vertical, uh, and broad jump, he's green or yellow in all categories except for his weight and his vertical leap. So, but to go back to my point of the Steelers getting freaks, 9.57, 9.71, Keanu Benton, I'm just going to round it up to nine. Another green-leveled RAS player, defensive tackles, the average is 5.10. Darnell Washington is the freaks come out at night, freak of all freaks, 9.88 RAS green. The tight end RAS average, 4.85. Nick Herbig, 7.75. Yellow RAS score. Small, though. He's uh, small. Small. That was the knock on him. Uh, Corey Trice, cornerback, RAS 9.65. Green. Spencer Anderson, offensive line, 9.37. RAS score was green. Those positions in terms of their RAS are not above five. So you clearly see that the Steelers said, we're going to get freaks. So when I look at the criteria of address needs, don't reach, exercise patience, and get freaks, I got to give the Steelers an A. Now, of course, we don't know if anybody in any of these guys could play, of course, and uh, big up to Houdini, RIP to ecstasy, big up the Steelers freak for the Houdini reference. And um, I, I give him an A2, Neil. I, I, this is the first time I came away with a draft going, damn, they 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 hit. I, and so when I did my show, um, you know, late that Saturday night, I, I, I graded the draft boom, bang, bang, bow, meaning they took four shots and hit four shots. It felt like Steph Curry with the shot. <laughs> got hot. You know, they got hot. Boom, bang, bing, bow. Especially when they took Darnell Washington. To be able to get Darnell Washington, mm-hmm. a guy like that, uh, OG super freak, Rick James, in the third round with the 93rd pick. I mean, I, of course we got to wait, be patient on these guys. They have to get coached. They have to get developed. But wow. But that, yeah. that's what we should be evaluating them on, not yes. the stuff that we don't know. We simply yes. don't know uh, right now uh, the path for their development or anything. I, I would say just if for an example, uh, Nick Herbig is a high-level athlete with marginal size. He's a small guy. Who's to say what type of player he's going to be when he adds – 10, 15 pounds a rip over the next year. We don't know that. That's the Steelers' plan. And I'll say this. The Steelers have done uh, it many times in, in the past 
what five six years um it, call it reshaping i don't want to get into you know a lot of this sounds kind of eating disorder ish but they are transforming a lot of the guys that they draft into the highest possible athletes they can be based on weight and conditioning. Herbig is a great athlete, but he's small for the NFL. He's situational probably at, at best right now. Um, he's going to make the team based on where he was drafted. I don't know how much you can really use him outside of, of special teams. They want him an outside linebacker. So you look at him in that regard. Um, He's got, as, as far as his dip and rip goes, he's got a little James Harrison kind of flexion to him. He's not an anchor the way Harrison was. But Harrison, also very short. Keep that in mind. Harrison's 5'10 in real life. They put him at six foot. He wasn't six foot. Herbig has a long way to go to be James Harrison in terms of size or playing ability. But he has... A, a certain thing or two that you see in his game that you could bring out. <clears throat> um, I like him as a backup uh, outside linebacker, situational guy and special teams player. I think there's value to that. Um, plus you're losing Alex Highsmith. I'm not putting in, in pen her big starting for Highsmith. If high, if, and frankly, when Highsmith leaves, but it, it's it's an interesting project if they can get him on the right meal plan get him you know in in the weight room uh add a bit and maintain his speed he could be an effective player you know it, it's interesting because look at alex highsmith alex highsmith is like twice her big size so uh, highsmith though is not the kind of athlete that, that her big is good athlete but um third round versus fourth round you can see why the steelers would be interested in him probably as more of a backup um for, for the short term, but you know, your backup, especially at a position like that, the Steelers have seen plenty of injuries among uh, outside linebackers. You can get a guy that can, can maintain what you're doing while he continues to develop. And he, he's a high level technique guy, he uses his hands very well for a college player. You can see where he had that success. Uh, his size and his development is, is what is going to make, um, it make him a, a, a a good NFL starter or a guy that doesn't work out at all. It's a good you, risk for them to take. You know, he's getting reps against his brother. You, 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 you know that, you know, he's getting reps against his brother and you know that the technique part of it is probably, uh, you know, some of it, it comes with his brother and really good coaching at Wisconsin. But let me give you his RAS measurements for some of the really athletic stuff. And you were dead on is that his size is what kicks him down to about a 7.75. But in a 40, he ran a 4.65. That was green. That was rated at 9.27. 20-yard split was 2.72, which was 8.57, which was green. And a 10-yard split was 9.28, which was always also green. And he had a vertical of 34 inches, which was yellow, 7.5. So yeah. the kid has some athleticism. He has some pop, He's and he has some explosiveness. Quick out of his snap, uh, quick to the ball, and he's slippery. You watch him. They, they, Wisconsin used uh, Herbig in a variety of ways. He, he went outside. He went inside. He's a great hand fighter. He knows how to get uh, clean off of a block, and he can uh, uh, track the, the quarterback, the ball carry, whoever it is. Um, one thing interesting I read in the scouting profile, the first thing that they put in there uh, as far as his production goes, 26% of his tackles in his career, and he's a three-year starter, 
26% of all the tackles he made were for loss. That says That's something. Ridiculous. <laughs> he, he gets into the backfield. It's, it's, it, it's tough to block him. So it, it, they're thinking he has the kind of frame. And look at his brother. His brother's twice his size. Three times his size, even. <laughs> Not literally. Um, he has the kind of frame that can add some more muscle without sacrificing uh, uh, his speed and his quickness. If they can keep that going and get him bulked up, he's always going to be a smaller outside linebacker, but he, he might be able to make hay with, with the makeup that he has. You know, she big, she bangs. I mean, like, I love the fact that they have two she big brothers. And I talked about it. Bloodlines matter with the Steelers. And if you're going to, in, in a process, and I was saying it on a show, on a process in which there are so many uh, unknowns, you like to be able to check off the bloodline box. You know the DNA is solid, and and you know the mentality is, is solid as well. Those guys know what it takes to play football, especially if you're little bro. You know, little bro, you know, when you get little bro and big bro, I mean, that's just a fantastic combination. Little bro was poured into by big bro, so you get all that tutelage and that knowledge, and, you know, you get the – what importance that football brings to it for them as a family. So I love the fact that the Steelers go out and they hit bloodlines. Let's jump into who's your favorite pick of this lot. Darnell I know what you're going to say. And, and explain why, why, why big freak Darnell, uh, big sexy is your favorite. What I find to be uh, the most difficult offenses in the league um, to, to stop are ones that can roll out a variety of different styles within a few formations. And what I mean by that is if, if we're to take 12 personnel, put two tight ends on the field, let's look at the Steelers personnel for that right now. Um, probably uh, Pat Fryermuth, Darnell Washington. I'm going to put Washington in there because he's effing Darnell Washington. Uh, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens opposite sides of the field with Najee Harris in the backfield. There's a lot of versatility with that. And it, it's putting the onus on your quarterback to determine where the, what the best way to go with this is Matt Canada for as much as you all hate Matt Canada without knowing really why Canada is doing what he's doing. One thing he has brought to this team that doesn't get talked about is the, the proliferation of the run pass option, the RPO, the Steelers run RPO is probably more often than any team in the league over the last two years. And I know that they were the highest two years ago. And they, I think they ranked pretty highly last year as well. They brought in Ciamalo, the guard from Philadelphia, another team that runs a bunch of RPOs. I'm guessing because he's familiar with that. The Steelers' offensive line had problems blocking that last season, not getting where they needed to go, didn't spring a whole lot of big plays after the catch. I think their plan with a guy like Washington is be able to run RPOs out of 12, which is to say they have two athletic pass-catching tight ends, two talented wide receivers, and a versatile running back. Put that together. Pickett can go to the line and look around, train him to, to read what a defense is showing him and decide with an RPO where he's going to go with that. Now to, to break this down, it, it, a run pass option is not the quarterback running the ball. First off, it is a decision made uh, in, in a way, both pre-snap 
and post-snap by the quarterback. You can pull it and hand off if somebody moves where you, you want them to go or doesn't move where you want them to go after the snap. But pre-snap, you're making a call at the line, and your offensive line is uh, coming out of their stance and staying roughly around the line of scrimmage. That's how you see an RPO is happening. Um, if they drop too far back, they're not going to be able to run blocks, so that option's gone, and the defense can see it right away. If they go too far forward, uh, they're going to be flagged for a legal man downfield if they're throwing the ball. We saw the Steelers do that, what, nine times last year, something like that, just something ridiculous. They can get in sync with that with better personnel uh, who understand the scheme with a quarterback who's had more training with it now, who's going to go into uh, training camp as, as the number one guy. Washington brings an element to that, which is to say we see them in double tight. We see them up at the line like that. Generally, we're going to cheat run. This is a team that runs the ball a lot. But Washington and Fryermuth are both guys that can run the seam, meaning they're athletic enough to get down 10, 12 yards straight down the seam where you're covering them with linebackers that they're probably faster than or safeties who they're definitely bigger than. You have a mismatch right there. Plus, if you're paying attention to that, you've got a great deep receiver on the other side, and you've got a great underneath receiver on, on you know weak side or strong side, whatever that is, and you still have the option to run the ball for a team that likes to run. They can still block inside zone the way that uh, they, we've seen a lot of success second half of last season with Harris. And I might add, uh, Darnell Washington knows how to block inside zone. He's a beast. The dude, can, the dude hits, okay? Put him and Jones next to each other. They're going to kill defensive backs in the NFL. The, the, the options that they have because of a talent like that, to put it mildly, grossly exceed what they could do with Zach Gentry. And I like Zach Gentry. Really impressed with the career that he built for himself. He's going to be the odd man out here, unfortunately for him. I'm sure he's going to get signed somewhere else. He, he's a decent NFL tight end. But Washington brings a, a much more dangerous element because he is able to run routes. He is able to get open across the middle. He's able to run after the catch, and he is able to block downfield like a damn bastard. And that more than anything, that's the value that the Steelers are building. They're going to be a very tough, physical short passing team to try to spring uh, more big plays not we need to throw the ball 50 yards downfield to make a big play they're going to start to get the run after catch that they haven't been able to, to get the last two years because of the personnel that they're bringing onto the field Washington's going to be a big part of that I don't expect Washington to get more than like maybe 20 targets but he's gonna he's gonna hit people you're gonna see him spring runs uh, whether that's a handoff whether it's a pass you're going to see him be an instrumental part of the, the short, quick game the Steelers are building. You know, when I look at the picks, so your favorite is, is, is Darnell Washington, obviously. And, you know, when you look at Darnell, you're just like, wow. I mean, just and, – and Georgia was so ridiculous that Darnell wasn't even the best tied in on the team. It's the it's, other kid from Napa, California it's, that's it's, the best guy. It's funny. It's a funny argument to get into there, but ideally – the funny thing is, I think the Steelers are looking up at Georgia. I think that's what they want out of their tight ends. <laughs> I think they want the, I, I hate this cliche, but the thunder and lightning combination that Georgia had between those two, two totally different players. Washington has more utility. You can use Washington in more ways to help your entire offense. He doesn't have to be a high-level target 
uh, like like I forgetting his name, the other kid who's who's a beast. Yeah, that that kid's got an NFL future for sure. Um, Washington can set up a lot more now. I, I I don't mean to derail what you're saying here, but one of the biggest problems the Steelers had going into last season after they drafted Pickens was in a way they traded one problem for another. They got a much better split end outside deep receiver in Pickens, but to keep Claypool on the field, which they needed to do because they didn't really have anybody else, they had to move him into the slot and he's not a slot receiver. He barely knows what he's doing on the outside and he, he, He's got a God-given body to play outside receiver in the NFL. Moving him inside was to utilize what they hoped would be his size for underneath stuff and to help in the short game, in the quick game, passing. He can not just catch the ball, but blocking. They don't have that with Claypool because he can't really do it. But our, the, the, the Steelers slot now, Allen Robinson, a bigger guy, he can catch the ball. But imagine packages where you put Washington – on the opposite side of that, have Washington run underneath and help block across. Have Washington release in, in front of a screen to his size. He The guy is built like a B-52. He's absolutely huge, and he knows how to block. He, you know, for, for a rookie tight end, he's got obviously some work to do. They'll, they'll coach him up on that, but he is such a, a weapon for others around him he's a weapon without the ball and I, I the Steelers need that so badly I really wanted them to bring back Juju Smith-Schuster for that reason because he's a Me very too. good slot receiver I do too. in in helping set others up perfect in Kansas City I was surprised Kansas City didn't bring it back um I, I you know it, New England's smart they they're going to use him in a similar way but Kansas City got a lot out of Juju because of what he does without the ball and Washington in my opinion is the Steelers answer to that He's not a slot receiver, but he can eat up a, 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 a tackling, you know, pursuit five, seven yards off the line. And you're, you're going to see him utilized in that way. Not going to be a 70 catch guy, I don't think anyway, but he's going to be a hellaciously talented second tight end in a quick game offense like the Steelers are building. You know what? I'm looking on, on the chat and big up to Toy Call God from Alec Whipper. Big up to him. Um, spent a ton of time out in Beaver Falls and in Rochester at my aunt's house. Um, I, I had a lot of people in my family that were Rochester Rams. They went to Rochester forever. And uh, my cousin was a great athlete for Rochester, ended up being a triple jumper at Penn State. So big up to all those guys out there in Aliquippa, Rochester, and uh, Beaver Falls out in that area. Uh, speaking, you were, you were talking about like the combination – of Jones in Washington, and I, I was on uh, Twitter yesterday. They were asking what would be a great combination name for those two guys. And Jake Shoot stuff said the B52s. I'm going to give you a name that I think would be a great combination for those guys: Crunch and Munch. <laughs> I think Crunch and Munch would be awesome if you. Maybe I'm dating myself. You know what Crunch and Munch is, don't you, Neil? Um, the 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 uh, Cracker Jack knockoff. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 exactly. Probably better than Cracker Jack. It's better. Right? It's yeah, the, absolutely. That. It's actually crack. I, I mean, like you, <laughs> you, it, it is actually crack. You cannot eat Crunch and Munch. Like Crunch and Munch, as soon as you open it, you eat the whole bag. It's like the perfect road trip snack. Crunch and Munch and a Coke. 
you can probably drive across the country and you, without stopping because that that's crunch and munch. So anything. So anyway, I'm saying crunch and munch. I like B-52s. I like the Road Warriors. Uh, but they're going to the be dogs. a fun combination. They're the dogs. They're going to be a, the dogs is a good one. That, but they're going to be a good combination. And you know they're going to put them together. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I, there, there are clips of them combo blocking, reaching, uh, in, in again, quick game offense, which is a lot of what Georgia did. It, it, it's nasty. I mean, it's against college guys, but it's, some of them, it's like, holy shit, he almost killed that guy. You, you see both of them get downfield and just destroy whoever's there. They, they're, they're mean. They want to block. They want to be physical. And with Jones, the, the, the great thing with him is while he's still got work to do as a pass protector, they drafted him because of that attitude. He is a mean son of a bitch it, it, as far as getting off the line and getting downfield. I think he, he plays like a guard. I think really it, it's like it, he's the type of guy that – this is an old-school offensive lineman cliche – they don't like pass protection as much. You're awkward dropping back. You're absorbing the blow from the guy that's coming in. They like run blocking because they get to dish it out. And Broderick Jones looks the, looks like the type to me that's like, yeah, pass blocking is going to get me paid. But at the end of the day, I still want to hit somebody. And he, he gets after it. Um, it. Technically, he's got some improvement that, that he needs to, to develop. But it, clearly, the Steelers have never drafted – uh, an offensive tackle with the high end potential talent that Jones has. And it's most evident in the run game or the quick pass game, which is what the Steelers are going to do. It, it's a great fit schematically between those and to put the two of them together. I honestly believe the Steelers felt they really needed the value uh, of the defensive tackle that in my opinion, fell to 49 with Keanu Benton. They couldn't pass on that. I honestly don't think they felt Washington was going to be there in the fourth round. I, I excuse me, in the late third round. I don't think they anticipated that. But the second that he's there and they had the chance to take him, they went and took him. And it, it's two guys that fit what they do very, very well and can be great uh, uh, specialty specific types of players for what they do. And they're going to eat. They're both really good football players. I'm, I'm very excited to see what what each of the, you know, the first four picks, maybe five, Herbig is kind of interesting, but the first four that they have, are, they're, they're all unique players and they're, they're, they're dudes. I, I don't know if they've ever drafted four dudes like this. You know, I, I wasn't alive in 74, so I'll just couch it by saying in yes. my lifetime, I don't think they've ever drafted four dudes like this. It, it, it's, it's exciting. And we have reason for optimism. Nobody on this show will ever accuse me of being the overly optimistic Homer Steelers fan. Okay. I'm telling you, there is plenty of reason for optimism <laughs> with this group. And that's, that's no bullshit. Yes. And I'm telling you, like we are a match made in not being hyperbolic. So I don't, I don't I'm trying to, we're like the non hyperbolic twins and we're both excited. We both gave this draft an A and, uh, let me give you my favorite pick. My favorite pick is Corey Trice. And, and I have not seen Corey Trice play. I'm not even sure he's going to make the roster. But, I mean, 
You know, his measurables. Big dude. Yeah. I mean, he's baby blunt. I mean, he's baby blunt. And I don't want to put male blunt and the pressure on, on the kid like that. But he's baby blunt. When you look at his RAS stuff, his RAS stuff is very close to Joey Porter's 9.65 to 9.71. The kid is 6'3 and a half, weighs 206, benched 17 times. I mean, the broad jump was 11 feet. Uh, I mean, this kid is just an athletic freak. Uh, his shuttle was 4.06, which is green. Three cone was green, 9.49. You're talking about a big guy, almost 6'4", that can get a 9.49 score, a 6.7 and a three cone. That means he can move. He has fluid hips. I mean, this is the type of guy that if you can grab in the seventh round and he becomes somebody, he has this RAS this athletic profile to be a great type of pick that you get late in the round. I mean, I didn't want to pick Darnell Washington because Neil picked Darnell Washington before me. And and Darnell was the obvious guy because Darnell was in our, in our pre-shows. I was telling people, I'm like, I'm not even going to act as if they're going to draft him because they're just, they're not, they're not, they're not going to do that. I'm not going to get my hopes up for this. I was legitimately like, I stood up, with my hands over my head, like, please, please, please. And it, it, it was mentioned by somebody in here. Yeah. It, Jake shoots shit again. Um, it, he said something to the effect of there wasn't much time that passed before they took it. I think they ran. I really do because th- it was like, okay, the Steelers are on the clock. The pick is in. <laughs> They're not screwing around. They knew exactly who they wanted. I, I, one of the, the annoying parts of the draft. And if you watch the entire thing, like I do, like other people in, in media kind of have to do, you get really annoyed after a while with the bullshit. Oh, the camera's on us. We got to clap and act like this is a great thing. I legitimately think the Steelers are beside themselves that he fell. There are medical concerns, okay? I, I've heard knee. I've heard back. There might be concerns with that. And Lance, as you and I talked about offline uh, in regards to, to Washington, dudes that are that big, that have that much athletic ability, they're ahead of of – the normal human evolution they're they're pushing past that and his body might not be able to take uh the 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 sheer explosiveness that he has at the size that he is he might have injury concerns but you don't draft guys because you honestly think they're going to play for you for 10 years okay general managers don't last 10 years anywhere close to 10 years on average head coaches don't last 10 years on average they're drafting guys for probably the next three years. And with Washington, you can get enough out of him, injured or otherwise. He doesn't have to be an 80-plus snap a game guy. You can use him situationally, and he'll be very good in the role that he plays. I, I Sorry, I'm rambling about this. This is how huge on this pick that I am. And to address it before, if – and unfortunately, the NFL doesn't include tight ends in the group of positions that can wear number zero. But if he could – or I, I don't know. Maybe they get creative. <laughs> don't call him a tight end. That would be fantastic. If Darnell Washington was wearing number zero for the Steelers, I wouldn't just own that jersey. I would have that already, I promise you. And I haven't bought a jersey in, shit, 12 years probably. I, I would own that immediately. I'd love uh, for the combination of the two, big up the Steelers freak. That might win. The Hanson brothers, the Hanson, the the, the, the Hanson brothers 
might win the Black Hansons. That would be even better. Black Hansons. The Black Hansons. <laughs> that would be even better. That would be even better. The Hansons. And, and, and of course, Steelers Freak. I'm old Steelers Freak. Is, oh, we're dating ourselves. But you probably see it. The Hansons brothers from Slapshot. The guys that just dropped gloves and fought instantly whenever, <laughs> whenever the clock started. Slapshot was great. That maybe, maybe the best sports movie ever made. I, I no, I'd have a list no. of like five of them, and I would the fish argue to save Pittsburgh. Maybe I'm, I'm oh, biased. I mean, no. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Pisces. Slapshot. <laughs> it, it's one of the best. It probably the best written sports movie. It's acted very well. It, it the Hanson brothers were some of the best, most memorable characters of all time. Um, the Black Hansons. I have. Can I even yes. say that? I don't think I'm allowed to say that. Yes, the I'll black. Get, I'll get fired if I do. Yes, yes. I, if if they are like that, I'll I'll say it here. I'm not going to probably write it, but I'll say yes. it here. Yes, yes. And I will love every fucking minute of it because yes. those yes. two, I'm telling you, they're dudes. They get after it. Once they get comfortable with what they're doing, the Steelers are going to turn them loose. Quick game that is, is going to explode. Guys are coming up with some great ones. Jones, Washington, and Associates like that one too. Th- that that's a great one as well. But before we get out of here, what are the remaining needs? What are the Steelers' biggest remaining needs? We we feel they did a great job in addressing some of their needs, particularly with the first four or first five picks. What are their remaining needs most glaring to you that stand out? Um, I think we're at the point, and this is typical after a draft, you kind of get that, that uh, the, the post high going to think that a team doesn't really have needs. But um, it, if we look at needs in a literal sense, and again, I can't just rule out uh, the, the future for them. I, I think they're down cornerbacks uh, after this season. Um, I think a lot of them who are in one-year deals right now are susceptible. They might get cut. We, we might not even have two of the, the four primary cornerbacks this team is going to play right now. Um, they don't have any particular need to keep Witherspoon if they get a better option uh, available in free agency. Something else to point out here, that since this topic is coming up, yesterday was the deadline for the compensatory period of the NFL, meaning if you sign a guy – today after 4 p.m eastern yesterday uh to your team it does not affect your compensatory formula so this is what's kind of unofficially called the second wave of free agency so there are a lot of big name guys that are not signed right now it would not surprise me uh if the Steelers went shopping you know for somebody else maybe it's a middle linebacker cornerback is coming up quite a bit um i wouldn't surprise me excuse me to see um them take take a stroll and kind of see who else is out there and that'll lead straight up into to training camp there are a lot of transactions still to go <clears throat> i would I, I think they've done what they're going to do as far as veteran depth goes at inside linebacker uh they signed two of them yeah they signed two you, of them. you got a guy coming back as well i don't think they're making another move there um i wouldn't have been surprised if they drafted one but that wasn't the way they were going to go about it they did draft two cornerbacks um you know, I, I think that the seventh round kid might make the team just by default. I, I'm not sure. I don't think you're going to keep James Pierre over him. <clears throat> so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, you know, it, it's, <clears throat> I hate to say this because my, my throat's closing off for some reason. I hate to say this because it, it's, it's in a way disrespectful, but remember 
uh, just for recent precedent, what happened with David DeCastro? He showed up for minicamp. Uh, they checked in on a surgery. They determined he would probably need another surgery, and they cut him. That we're, we're not done with that yet. It depends on who's available. It depends on what shape guys are in when they come back. Um, it, it's not The roster creation is not over yet. We, there are still going to be moves here and there. I don't know if they're going to be big, but you'll, you'll see guys added. Um, odds are probably pretty good. You never would have heard of them before. Uh, like the, the dude, the, the slot they just signed from, uh, from the Vikings. I don't even remember his name now. Um, I keep thinking of Landon Roberts. It's <laughs> something like that. Uh, I, I have no clue whether he'll make the team or not, but it, you know, if Mallette's too expensive, if Mallette is not the shape they need him to be, they've got another guy there. They're going to make signings like that. I think when I look at the roster, I think, you know, I, I, I think in the chat, I think guys are dead on. I think there is an issue at slot corner. Um, and of course, still, we're talking about an offense, you know, that didn't score 20 points per game. Uh, it, it, you know, so th- there is, um, you know, but in, but, you know, definitely um, th- there is a need, in my opinion, for slot corner. And of course, I had to change the background graphic and put the adult, uh, the picture of the Hanson brothers as they've gotten older. Uh, but the Hanson brothers are absolutely legendary. I, I am very excited um, I can't wait till the football part starts. Um, I'm hoping that Darnell Washington is healthy and gets to play. But I think Steeler Nation should be absolutely excited about this draft. Uh, I think the con artist is doing a fantastic job. And it was funny to see Tomlin and Omar Khan, you know, in the con artist uh, laugh about uh, the uh, – the nickname itself, but, you know, I think the Steelers are in good hands. I think Omar Khan has come out in these last couple of drafts. Well, not last draft, uh, but, but I think Omar Khan has done a fantastic job. I think he's, I think the Steelers are in good hands uh, with, with Tomlin and Khan, KTTK. I think that's a good combination. Weedle's done a fantastic job. I think we see his impact as well. And, you know, I, I think Steeler fans should be excited about the future and particularly be excited about this draft. I, I think still, when you look at this team overall, and it was mentioned in one of the comments earlier is, you know, bottom line, the ultimate development of this team is going to depend largely on Kenny Pickett and his development. But, you know, Kenny showed signs. He showed big paws last year. He had some big paws. So, you know, when I say big paws, that's just a reference to, you know, if you get a dog, you look for dogs with big paws. Uh, so, you know, Kenny showed some paws last year. So we'll see, you know, his development. But I'm excited about this draft, and I never get excited about drafts. Any last thing you want to say, Neil? Uh, nope, just that I'm excited. I uh, it, It's it's nice to wrap up with all this. Um, I'm looking forward to going over it for, uh, for the rest of the offseason, and we'll be around to keep talking about all this and see how it all comes together. And with that, we are going to conclude the program. Thank you, everybody, for chiming in. Make sure you like and subscribe to the program, especially if you're new in the chat. We give you a show every Wednesday, and then we give you shows in terms of, you know, if there's some breaking news. Neil pretty much does that. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep bringing you great shows and talking about this fantastic football team. But with that, we're going to conclude the program. 
And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. The Black Hands.